you're listening to Punk Theology, the Punk Theology Podcast. My name is Russ Shaw. This is episode 14 of season one. Thanks for spending time with us today. Us six punks are back together in full force, and we're glad that you're here with us listening today. <laughs> we're excited to hear from you listeners as well. Punk Theology Podcast at gmail.com. Check out our Facebook page at Punk Theology Podcast. Hub. How about yourself? Do you feel like something must break in a good way that the dissonance feels like a bad way? Again, we're excited to hear from you. That's cutting into his cycle. That's cutting into his track. Yeah. I talk about this with my kids all the time. There's this great video online you should look up. It's called uh, Don't Yuck My Yum. (laughs) Don't Yuck My Yum. And it's really well laid out. And the idea is there's this whole culture around finding something that somebody really, really likes and enjoying just cutting into it. Right? That's so the internet. Yeah, it is. Where one person really, really likes something and gets a lot out of it. Why do you, why can't you just let them fucking like it? Exactly. Yes. Why just, can't you just yes. let them enjoy that? Yeah. Yes. Why, why do you have to be a fucking asshole yeah. and, and cut into them? And it's because it feels good. Yeah. And it's real. Like, like yeah. why are you fucking yuck, yucking my yum? Like, <laughs> I like this. Yeah. Let me like it. Stop yeah. being a prick, but it feels good to be a prick like that. It feels good to cut into somebody else's tribe and establish your own tribe. Like, there's a lot of agnosticism in my mm-hmm. Christianity. And I, Arthur and I track a lot, I think, with a lot of conversations we have. I just tend to land in a place of faith where he doesn't. But we still track and come to similar conclusions. Mm-hmm. How about that? But, but three of you guys go to churches I don't think I could set foot in. Right. I just I I just can't. But in the context of relationships, I I can acknowledge that things maybe uh, Derek and I talk about this a lot because we're good friends and we're pretty different dudes. But um, it's just that realization that things roll off my back differently in a way that they might you know, not roll off yours or, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And it's like if it works for you. Then who am I to say? Yeah. And, and likewise, Russ, you probably couldn't come to my church because it's too... Because junior high was brutal. Because of the challenge. you do it all yes. over again, yeah. you would do it the exact same way. I don't know. <laughs> you would. If you would I, have, no, don't yuck his yum. You would have to don't yuck that. my yum. You just yuck my yum. <laughs> why, <laughs> why do you want to believe, believe that you would do it differently? There you go. That's a good one. Ooh. There you go. I'm your eye.
Punktheology.com. We just did a YouTube video. If you want to check out our YouTube page, uh, you search Punk Theology podcast on YouTube and you'll see our YouTube page. You should subscribe to that. You really should. And we're on Snapchat now, too. We need more yeah, Snapchat. Snapchat. Oh, no, dude. Oh, dude, I'll be honest. I'm not a real Snapchatter. I'm just, I'm trying to limit my my social media to, like, three or seven. <laughs> yeah, but, but how theology, though, does not limit its social media. Because <laughs> that is punk. There you go. <laughs> So we would all be on the same Snapchat? Is that what's going on? That's what we're doing, yeah. All I'm interested in is that spinning hot dog guy. Yes. Have you heard of this? Would, it's like you, like, one of those would you like him to dance with you? No, that's all right. <laughs> just need Here, more. Check us out. Punk Theology <laughs> Punk on Snapchat. We need more watch people Russia on Shaw dance with the hot dog guy. We need there more people on Facebook to start conversations. That's right. And ask questions and to, to interact with us. Because right now it's pretty dead out Well, we kind of had to relaunch because we got... The code with SoundCloud was bad. And we're back on we iTunes. We're back on iTunes. We're and back on Google Music. We're back on Stitcher. Uh, and uh, SoundCloud. Podcast. Spotify has podcasts now. Oh, that's true. They do. Yeah, yeah, you have to get big okay. to get on Spotify. Okay. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of the Spotify we're podcasts. Not big yet? They're also syndicated through some. Well, technically, I own. I own. I. Uh, I just did my taxes too. I had to do my corporate. Weird thing. I don't want to make any money. So it's really easy. But uh, <laughs> I own an LLC called the Digital Audio Project. But yeah, um, those guys are real. Dancing with the hot dog guy. Uh, am I? Yeah, you got to dance. So, add that to the YouTube. You're not dancing. That's all I got. Oh, he's gone. There, he's by you. There you go. There you go. How's that? Punk's only, Punk's only a mouse. I don't dance. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So this thing's rolling out slow. But our topic today is why do you want to believe... Blank, which uh, that's dating myself. Well, the whole match game. No, I get it. I'm dating myself too. Exactly. <laughs> Gene Ray, why do you want to believe blank? Uh, can I open so you mind? guys came up with Please. this topic, right? Yeah. So that that's kind of my thing lately, where I go with people in conversations, is because people always want to tell you what they believe, but that causes argument. Right. Okay, like, and that's part of our, what makes us different is we are trying to cross the difference divide because that's way more punk than these shows where people yell at each other or say that our thing's better than their thing. Right. Anyway, go right, ahead. Right. Yeah, I think. Well, to your point, argument is such a. I mean, it's an overused trope now in so much. Yeah, it is. So much media, like all they do is sit and argue. Nobody actually ever changes anybody's mind. Yeah. Uh, it's just people being attracted yeah. to the. Conflict, I guess. In social science, yeah, yeah, and in social science, it's called uh, confirmation bias. Mm -hmm. And basically, a lot of these guys that watch like Fox News or CNN, they'll sit there and they have their side, and it's almost like football, right? They get a root for their guy who's got their, and you're right, no one's mind has changed. And but the reason people tune in, I think people are getting bored with that now, and those ratings are starting to go down because I don't really give a shit if my guy wins. Like I've seen this; it's on every channel. And it doesn't cross that difference divide. Like, no one's really progressing in, in the conversation. Well, nobody, I wouldn't say nobody, very few people change their mind when presented with an 
a logical argument. Logic is pretty worthless in changing people's beliefs mm-hmm. and into getting, in getting into the depth of an individual and sussing out uh, like who they are and, and and this big question why they want to believe what they believe. So Our brain a, resists it too. Right. Because there's even scientific studies where it's like a scientist will tell someone a, a fact and then probe them later and reveal that that fact was actually a lie but they've already further, accepted it. Further questioning already accepts it, and their brain is reluctant to let it go, even in the face of being told... By the person that taught it to them. ...that it was a lie. So your brain holds on to your belief structure in the face of evidence to the contrary, including it being told to you that it's a lie. Right. Which is really fascinating when you start to think of all the things you've accepted since you were young and told were true, because your brain naturally holds on to that even in the face of contrary evidence. A great example of that is fake news. Like, fake news is thrown out there, and then people share it or latch onto it because that confirmation bias. Like, I want to believe it's true. It may not be true, but... <laughs> but even before you have biases when you're presented with an, a, a, a worldview and a structure and truths, before confirmation bias even comes into play as a child, you're, you grew up with being taught yeah. Santa the world Claus. is the way that it is. And Santa Claus is fucking real. <laughs> And if you or the elf in the shelf, who was it? We were I'm in the about even just the, the the stuff that's easier to believe that even large portions of the population continue to believe. I mean, how difficult it is for the vast majority of the world to let go of a religious belief that it was they were taught as a child. Right. Usually, some semblance of that carries on. I just just think of kind of like the adult Catholic who, for all intents and purposes, isn't Catholic anymore. You know, but the kind of the, the big joke is that you know you just kind of always are, and you're the more normal Catholic by being one who never goes to church. Right. Mm. <laughs> or Jewish people, I'm very much like. There's a lot of Jewish people that are like that. Um, there's a great TED talk, by the way, by a woman who was part of the uh, uh, Westboro Baptist, and and she her story is is amazing. How she broke out of that. You know, why do you want to believe? Like just looking at other people and going. Then reading the Bible and going, well, I don't know, man. What's wrong with the Westboro? What's <laughs> <laughs> wrong? Uh, nothing. <laughs> well, I think a lot of it, the, the way the conversations will play out is people have a need to be right. And, yeah. I mean, I enjoy friendships and I enjoy our time here where, I mean, we each have different narratives or, or beliefs, but I think. I, I don't know. I think any of us are really coming from that place of I need to be right. Yeah, yeah. It's it. It has its place, I guess, in in a certain time in human development or just life where that does something for you. It gives you a certain level of comfort. Or I I, I don't know. It seems insecure to me though. Like pragmatically, like, I think it's really unhealthy. The need, the to, be need right? to be right because you know. Even like from an evolutionary standpoint, the model is you you mess up and you learn from it, uh, and and needing to be right forces you to ignore your mistakes. But if this is my God and I'm right, and this is your God and you're right, both of us can't be right. So what do we do? That's the interesting thing about the higher power in in some recovery groups. Because they'll teach that in 12-step, for example. Like, you you just need a higher power. Even if it's a doorknob. It's something outside yourself that's bigger than you are. And then you get to these places of... Like, Dr. Phil, I, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan, but one of the things that he says I really enjoy is 
how's that working for you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> get somebody get the hamster on the wheel going. How's that working for you? Anyway, Steve, you were going to say something. I just forget what I said. Going to say. I just. I'm sorry, man. No, that's okay. Don't be sorry, sorry. So I have a I have a coworker, <laughs> and I say that to him quite a bit, actually. What? How's it working for you? Yeah. How's or how, well, more of a past tense. Um, so he is in a recovery group. Okay. Um, and every once in a while, he talks about you know needing to go out and get hammered kind of thing, or he'll say to me, you know, like you need to have a couple beers for me. And every once in a while, it's just it's that perfect option, you know, opportunity where it's like, well, how did that work out the last time you did it? And he just looks at me, he's like, it fucking sucked, you know. I mean, he realizes it, you know, but he goes there sometimes, and it's, I don't know, it's strange, you know, it's yeah that they go there. But Derek, do you struggle with having to need to be right? Uh, so, I mean, sometimes. I do. I just we we track a lot just from our the way our brains are and the fact that we're engineers. It used to be really, really, really important to me, um, and there's a whole bunch of reasons why it was so important to me. One was, you know, I always considered myself my my brain as my greatest asset. Mm-hmm. And being able yeah. to think my way out of things, and uh, and and me being right about things was just affirmation that my brain was working correctly, um, and and just coming out of a really strong culture of where it's really important to be right, mm-hmm. um, and part of that comes from coming out of a culture that was super dualistic, because in dualism it's absolutely essential that you're right. Yes, because mm-hmm. there. Because there's no, there's nothing between right and wrong. There's just right there's and right wrong. and everything else. And then you charge that with an emotion, right? And yeah. it even fucks right. it up more. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. and right is equated with heaven, and wrong is equated with hell. So, uh-huh. if you are ever wrong, you're probably going to hell. And right. if you don't agree with me, you're wrong. You're going to hell. Right. Yeah. And, and I don't ever want to get that way. That's what I was thinking of when you were you asked me what I was thinking of. It just came back to me. I don't want to be one of those guys. I don't want to be the the far left that's screaming that the far right is going to hell. I don't want to be the far right that's screaming the far left is going to hell. I want to be able to listen to people that differ from me. Just because you don't agree with me doesn't mean you're wrong. What's crazy, though, is it's not even the far right and the far left. It's the far right and the far right and the far left and the far left. You know, you can have similar views and... Their, you know, their closed fist ideas, and then they come to an idea that is supposed to be open-handed, and there's interpretation. And we have, you know, Russ, you and I have different views from it. It's A on my side, and it's B on your side, uh-huh. and we hold it with tight conviction. And so it's you think that it's B, therefore you're wrong, and you're going to go to hell. And you are thinking to, about me. I think it's A, right. and I'm wrong. And I'm going to go to Meanwhile, it's fucking Z. Or who gives a shit? <laughs> or, yes. You know, or it's like you... We're both fucking wrong. Who cares? It doesn't matter. And no. it doesn't matter because you're not going anywhere. <laughs> you know? I just want to be able to get to a point where I can accept and then listen to people. Mm-hmm. I loved... I loved... I don't know if you've heard that one podcast where he interviewed uh, a gal... A former guy turning to a gal, um, transgendered, transgendered which podcast? Which podcast? On, on Zach's. Uh, was it a religion? Yeah, yeah, uh, I heard that episode. That was yeah, he brought up a good point on Facebook too. Don't mean to cut you off there. No, um, 
but it, he's, he posted that it's impossible to listen to, empathize yeah. with, and love a person that you've already judged is wrong. And there's so much truth in that. I mean, it's yeah. you're wrong, and so fuck you. You, you know, it's yeah. You and that's what and you quit listening. Yeah, yeah. And religion does a lot of that. I was listening to Richard Rohr, a uh, Franciscan priest, who is a, a non-dualistic teacher, considered a Christian mystic, but he's still a Roman Catholic priest, which I find interesting. But he's brought into places like Google to speak, and he's and he's listened to by scientists. Because of his approach of non-dualistic thinking or non-duality, um, I listened to some lectures at Oxford where they're teaching things like mathematics and philosophy, and marrying those two things together. Because just teaching mathematics isn't enough; you have to re- have a reason why you're trying to figure out the problem. So, you know, in religious terms, we talk about heaven and hell, or the other. You know, the other is going to want to stay away from that. You know, it was fear-based in there. And then there's a lot of that in science, too, because I have so much invested in my theory being correct that taking the approach of the other's theory that may conflict with my theory is is where we reach these stalemates. And that's dualistic thinking. So don't you think, though, we get value from being right? I mean, it's like our... Your ego does. Yeah, it's like our sports... Talk good tonight. <clears throat> there is a certain value I get when the Seahawks win or the Mariners win. Yeah. Well, you just hit the nail on the head. It's tribal. Yes. Yeah, it's yes. Tribal identity. Yeah. 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 That's good. And sure. yeah, it does. You on Facebook too, when you were talking about the team aspect of or the group believing the same thing. And, yeah. You know, it's therefore I'm better because I have this. We're tribal animals. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so. The faith thing is that, you know, you wave that banner, that flag, that cross, whatever, and that's your team. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's appealing is to get what's trendy, you know, to, yeah. to sign up for what's trendy. And I've followed that in, in my church journeys for, since early on was I went what was trendy. Yeah, I think that's the appeal of fashion, right? Yes. Is I get a look at this person who's incredibly attractive mm-hmm. and intelligent and creative mm-hmm. and in order to join their tribe all I have to do is buy their clothes yeah. and, and then I can identify with that person and I can have even if I am not necessarily attractive or intelligent or creative <laughs> people will look at me and associate me with this industry that is and will impart to me the values just based on what I'm wearing. Reminds or driving. Right. right. Or the neighborhood I live in. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of a passenger I had in the car, uh, these two younger guys in the car, and one of them said he got a fidget spinner, and the other one, the other one was like, oh, that's so two weeks ago. <laughs> right, and that's that's a tribalism too. That's that's cutting into his tribal. That's cutting into his tribe. Yeah. Is when you are... So I talk about this with my kids all the time. There's this great video online you should look up. It's called uh, Don't Yuck My Yum. <laughs> Don't Yuck My Yum. That's a whole YouTube channel right there. It's really well laid out. And the idea is there's this whole culture around finding something that somebody really, really likes and enjoying just cutting in there. <laughs> right? That's silly. There's movies like, there's a movie right. one too where they just, everything wrong with Game of Thrones, for example. They just shit on Game of Thrones and everything that you can find. The best example is Justin Bieber. 
There's oh, these geez. kids that really love them, but then there's this whole other culture that's really dedicated <laughs> and it's just shitting all over Dustin Bieber and all of his followers. Yeah. And that's that's tribalism where one person really, really likes something and gets a lot out of it. Why do you... Why can't you just let them fucking like it? Exactly. Yes. Why just, can't you just yes. let them enjoy that? Yeah. Yes. Why? Why do you have to be a fucking asshole? Yeah. And and cut into them, and it's because it feels good to be on the other side of that tribe because because you feel more cutting edge and more new and more indie and more cool if you're oh I'm already past that shit already. Yeah. Right. And and the best way to feel that and you, you know imagine yourself. I'm, all of us have done it at some point. Where you know, I do it to catch myself doing it to my kids all the time. My daughter's really good at saying, "Don't yuck my yum," um, <laughs> which makes me instantly regret showing her the video. <laughs> because you know she's into something that's very childish, right? And it's but well, that's a cool way of crossing that difference divide too. Right. Like it brings it down to a, oh yeah, that's funny, but at the same time it's. Yeah, and it's real. Like, like, yeah. why are you fucking yuck yucking my yum? Like, <laughs> I like this. Let yeah. me like it. Stop yeah. being a prick. But it feels good to be a prick like that. It feels good to cut into somebody else's tribe and establish your own tribe. Exactly. My childhood version was WWF wrestling. Right. Oh yeah, that's a great one. Like, oh, I yeah. despised it. It was so <laughs> fake. It was so horrible. <laughs> no. I, I, I couldn't understand why people liked it. And my best friend loved it. I loved it, it when I was a kid. And he just no, sat and yucked and yucked I and yucked and yucked. <laughs> I, I find freedom in that, you know, I don't really know what's cool past like the year 1998. Like really, you know, <laughs> the music I listen to, even the films I like. I mean, don't get me wrong, I like new stuff, but but really though, the, my catalog of I love films from 1999. We've talked about yes, <laughs> this is the greatest year of film. Absolutely, late 90s is about where I stop from any kind of pop culture awareness. But that gives me a lot of freedom to really like what I like. Yeah. So if there's this band, like like there's a, there's an example of, of a band I like. And a friend pointed out, oh, man, that's like, he, he called it, the word he used, I think, was mall metal. That's mall metal. Because, <laughs> you know, the kids at, like, the Hot Topics store, like, that's, oh, yeah, that's yeah. what they, you know, it's like, that's mall metal. Well, I don't know that. I just like it. Yeah, and yeah. so I'm not, I, I'm not caught or up butt in pretense. They're called my like like 80s rock. music. Like, yes. I like butt rock. I, I'm not caught up with any pretense where, you know, or self-consciousness. I can yeah. just like what I like versus, oh, I better not like that because it's not cool. And it's, it's a really awful <laughs> feeling to have your yum yuck. Your yum yeah. yuck. It, it, <laughs> really, kind of is, yeah. it feels, like, well, really gross. Yeah. From a child point, it's devastating. Yeah. Like, I, we were sitting at dinner <clears throat> Monday, I think. And, you know, make macaroni and cheese and fuck, who knows what else. And my oldest was sitting there and he's like, you know, just like kind of like, mm, I'm done. It's like you didn't eat anything. No, I, I, I don't like it. It's like you ate the shit out of your macaroni and cheese the last time we had it. Well, you know, Bob made fun of me for, you know, having oh. thirds on macaroni and cheese. Uh, yeah. It's like, well, what's Bob got against macaroni and cheese? Well, he can't eat cheese. And it's like, oh, we eat his helpings, you know? Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, he's like, well, just don't tell Bob that I like macaroni and cheese. It's like, okay, all right. So, so there it. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, yeah that's, that's But it was devastating. Like, Why do you want yeah, to believe yeah. we shouldn't yuck yum? Yeah, there you go. It corrupts innocence or something. Because it feels corrupts innocence. It feels gross and it promotes tribalism. And it and it and it feels traumatic. It 
uh, especially when you're a kid. And kids, kids get one. They don't know how to handle having their yums yucked because they don't have that wall set up to let that bounce off. And then the other side of it is the yuckers don't know how to stop. They'll just go and go, and, and they're so fucking cruel. Yeah. And they don't recognize the damage they're doing when they're doing it. For bullies, it like feels good to right. dominate it's another person. All of junior high. Oh, yeah. It's just that. You know? Junior high is yes. evil. I don't know what it is. Like the so your worst wife catches that as a junior high teacher, correct? Yeah. If I could do it all again, over again, I would probably teach junior high yeah. for that very reason. Because yeah. junior high was brutal. Because of the challenge. If you could do it all yes. over again, yeah. you would do it the exact same way. I don't know. <laughs> you would. You if would I, no, no, don't yuck his yum. You would have to don't yuck my yum. You just yucked my yum. <laughs> why, <laughs> why do you want to believe that you would do it differently? There you go. That's a good one. Ooh. There you go. Because I'd like to think I could make a difference. You don't think you've made a difference already today? Not in junior high. My wife likes teaching junior high because junior high is one of the last chances you have yes. to really straighten a kid out. Yeah. Once they hit high school, they've got a path. Yep. And they're probably, yep. I mean, there's exceptions, but they're probably, but when they're in junior high, they're pretty malleable still. And you can catch them and you can send it and, you know, and my wife has, you know, five or six a year that she can look at. And like that kid, I caught him, I sent him on a better direction. And yeah. that yeah. was what she likes. And my, I, I can't stand junior high schoolers. Like it just, like, yeah, like, I, it makes me so uncomfortable being around them. Yes, but she yes. loves them for that reason. All yeah. She can babysit. My daughter teaches first grade, okay. and that's what she. First grade made the impact. First grade directed her life because she had an awesome first grade teacher. Okay. And that changed everything for her. And she is just the story she tells, the incredible impact she's making on, on first graders. Tell them they have value. You know that they that they matter, that your opinions matter, even what, as a first grader. Where it, I think of it, though, I mean, when you're talking about pop culture, yes, it can be hurtful if your your yum is yucked. But by and large, what you're bought into is fairly innocuous. Where I tend to struggle with it is when you're basing your whole life life decisions on, say, a faith narrative that is toxic or mm-hmm. false. And by, when I say false, I mean like by you know historical standards. Take for example, I mean the Mormon faith is just you know hundred years ago, 50, even fifty years ago. Okay, yeah, I mean I'm a Mormon, whatever. But now it's like no, we know enough about history. Like there's archaeological, there's no archaeological evidence whatsoever for uh, the Nephite Indians or these gold plates or any of this stuff. Like there's just you can poke so many holes through it. But it just doesn't matter. Oh, no, because why people are born into it. You're born into it. All your reward systems and confirmation biases are rooted in it. And then it gives you friends and relationships and a wife someday. And then you got to go on a mission. And So, yeah. so here's a question for you. You want to believe it because it gives you purpose. I think well, it gives you bennies. Like, my, my neighbor was a Mormon. He's a smart guy. I mean, yeah. like in terms of a business standpoint. But that's part of his purpose, too. But, but that's it's like, like a fruit of purpose. It's like, you know, I, I look at this guy. I mean, he, you know, his wife is like, you know, way hotter than a guy like him should have ever gotten. <laughs> right. And it's like, you know, how'd that happen? Well, he's Mormon, you know. Yeah. Uh, shit hits the fan. The Mormon church is there to help him. I mean, you know, there's certain, like, like social things just built into it. There's bennies that are just built into it. Right. So I got a weird question for you then. So. 
you you speak as if the Mormon Church is wrong. As if, for instance, and no, I say no, wrong, I understand. is it in a historical context no, wrong? I, I mean, wrong in that it's uh, heresy. There's not very. I'm not talking heresy. <laughs> it's not demonstrable. Yeah, you can't really stand on it from a historical standpoint. Is yeah, what I'm yeah, saying. That's, that's very true. Okay, so so the question is, it's a cult. Is there? Yeah. Is there? The fun cult. Oh, sorry, go is there a potential benefit in believing something that's demonstrably wrong? Well, just the reasons I said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the right. social reasons. So but. then, so then, so then, why do you want to yuck their young? <laughs> See, it's, I have a, I look at it as the. It's a good question. If the fruits of the spirit are there, then you don't have a reason to yuck their young. If Why do you want to believe the fruits of the spirit are real? Why do I want to believe the fruits of the spirit are real? If that's if that's the measure you're gonna you're gonna hold up, then yeah, I want to know why you think that's real. Because they're are real, right? I mean, love, joy, pace, love, patience, joy, self-control. Peace, yeah. Those are attributes. Because I, I know that's people. That's not why you like that. That's no. why you believe it. Why do you want? Why do I want to believe it? Because <laughs> I, the peace beyond understanding. I've seen it with people that have gone through similar trauma as I have, and I. My want is I want to get to that piece of that's beyond the logic beyond anything that I could possibly comprehend in my brain, this man has peace with it. Yeah. And that, then the fruit of that peace is those actions that are in whatever it is. And if, and if some guy got there through his Mormon faith or... Yeah, yeah. Whatever, I mean, if you, exactly. yeah, you yeah, yeah. drank you know, copious amounts of beer, water, whatever it is, however he got there, it's like, well, wait, maybe something that he did is right. And so I'm going to try it because I want that piece. That's my favorite That's Brendan right. Manning quote, by the way. Is I'm a I'm an angel with a with a high capacity for fear. <laughs> do you think that uh, that once attained, it's beyond understanding? What 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 is? Once you define peace, your terms? Once peace is I don't attained? understand your question. The peace that yeah, passes so, so understanding. He, he's using this biblical phrase: the peace that passes understanding. Right. So once the piece that passes understanding, what was your question again? Sorry. When you attain it, when you attain, attain when, when you attain a piece that you once thought was beyond right. your capability, okay. Because I think that's really what it means by saying it's beyond understanding. Is it's beyond when you don't have it, you don't understand why it exists. Right. And and Chuck yeah, saying he yes, sees I, it. No. Yes. But I, what I'm saying is, if you arrive at it, you is it beyond your understanding? Correct. It is still beyond your understanding. There is no, there is no answer for why Joe did what he did to me. There is no answer for you know you go out and rape all these women. There is no reason, justifiable reason for you to go out and do it. You come up with all kinds of bullshit, but there's nothing. There's but no peace isn't about explaining why no, it's accepting. It's accepting yeah. why it happened or that it happened. You still don't have an understanding of why it happened. Or you can say peace is the fruit of it. Of whatever you're going through and getting to a place where you're not burning. Because I don't, I don't think peace requires anything on the external. Right. I mean, no, you're, you're, not gonna get, you're not going to get an only, answer for any answer. And that's that what is, it's that, that, Correct. Correct. You just have peace with the fact that it happened. 
So the piece that passes understanding would be the piece that passes explanation. Mm-hmm. The piece that or passes the, the need for the understanding. Piece, the piece that exists despite a desire for an explanation. Or maybe even the killing of the desire for an explanation in the piece that results. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My favorite, one of my favorite new words in my vocabulary is equanimity. Yeah, I like that. Too. Equanimity. A lot of that. a lot of Buddhists and meditator types will use it's it. It's affirmation. Right? Mental calmness, composure, and evenness of temper, especially in a difficult situation. So I take that as a piece that passes understanding. Maybe maybe you can explain it. Maybe it doesn't pass understanding, but I'll, equanimity sounds good to me. You know, let's aim for that. But yeah. yeah. My daughter was telling me about one of her friends. My youngest was telling me one of her friends was homeless, schizophrenic, and he was out there. And she was she met him for dinner with another friend who is a Mormon. And she said, he said to her, the Mormon friend said, oh, well, I'll give you the Book of Mormon because he's gotten into reading the Bible. And my daughters kicked him under the table. And in my head, because I don't want to start an argument, I'm in my head I'm thinking, why did you kick him under the table? Yeah. Because if the Mormon faith, such as it is, would bring him from this dark place, what's wrong with him? Mm, that's a good question. Yeah. You know, uh, that's that's the change in me, because five, hell, a year ago, I would have said, good for you. And I, I got to talk to her at some point and say, honey, that wasn't probably the best action. I think you are right now. And then, yeah, yeah good point. She listens right? to it. Talk to her, Steve. But that is... But Talking to your daughter through your podcast. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's good Welcome that you share your family story. <laughs> yeah. It's good that you share that, that story from, from family. Because I would, I would agree it's, it's getting people to understand that maybe how you process a thing is more important than yes. the thing itself. Right. And, yeah, I would uh, disagree with... Some of it I go to... Like, I used to hate... Doing the podcast over the years, I had I had a lot of different denominations in a box, like Baptists or assholes or something, right? They don't drink and they're all uptight. And then I met Baptists that weren't. Like, you know, hey, you want to have a beer? Like, aren't you a Baptist? Like, yeah, whatever, you know? And in... Catholics even too but I still have a hard time like if you google almost any denomination and um, sexual abuse scandal or sexual abuse cover up you're going to find dirt you're going to find dirt on the Mormons sure. you're going to find dirt on yeah. it's a human problem yeah yeah exactly and then the human problem isn't just the act itself it's the the why do you want to believe you need to cover it up cuz churches do that Institutions do it's that. It's that tribal thing. Churches. It's protecting your own. Yeah. Like, isn't that bad? Or maybe you dealt with it. Well, you don't have to, it doesn't have to make the news or whatever. Have you ever seen the book of denominations? I've heard of it. No, I haven't seen it. I know. I've seen it. There's a God box in New York where they have all these. But <laughs> so the thing about the book of denominations is, is that uh, it, it's a it's a catalog of of all the denominations as they exist and you know Christianity's up over like 40,000 of them now yeah um, the Baptist section is literally like a third of the book <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, so using that label is nigh unto meaningless it, you might as right. well just cast the net that's like <laughs> exactly. of all Protestants yeah you're talking about one third of them yeah, yeah. 
there's all kinds of Baptists. That's one thing. <laughs> when I interviewed Paul Young, he said that, and that kind of shook me a little bit. But it made me think, you know. He's like, yeah, what what denomination are you talking about? You know, you talk about biblical, which which you know translation of the Bible are you talking about? Well, and I'm I'm not going to shit on anyone, but you know, Protestantism is not too much better than Mormonism in terms of its historicity, or you know, right. it's still pretty young. I mean, or you know, people get into uh, dispensationalist theology, you know, like. Um, Oh, uh, you know, thinking God really cares about the real estate in the Middle East and, you know, he's going to return in our lifetime and, you know, all these like literal kind of things that are happening and biblical prophecy and trying to make sense of it for modern times or whatever. And I mean, that's like a 19th century invention, you know, mm-hmm. that, that lens of looking at it. Mm-hmm. But most people don't know that. They grow up, they go to church, and, oh yeah, that's what my pastor said. This is the way it's always been. This is Christianity. Nah, yeah. not really. It's kind of a really young form of it. Can I go exactly. for yeah. a second to Steve's comment to his daughter? So how do you, I think, I mean, sit in love with someone who where they've they've been in a bad place and they found something that's pulled them out of that bad place. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's okay to feel like there's an even better step after that. So figuring out um, even you know we may be wrong, but it's okay to feel that. Um, uh, figuring out how to engage that person, and present them with your perspective on what you consider <coughs> might be healthier, because they're in they're in a much they're in a healthier place than you was. But can they take a step beyond that into yeah. another place without shitting all over the health that they just found? Because the moment you shit all over the health that they just found, they're going to turn you off. Yeah. Because this is the only thing that's ever worked. Right. Go yeah. the fuck away. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, this this is my thing. Uh, you don't understand where I've been. Yeah. You just let me do my thing. Um, so figuring out how to walk with someone in that, engage with someone in that, and and be, I mean, the key, I think, is to be genuinely excited with them in their healing yeah. Yeah. And, and engaging them with their excitement and the things that they're engaging with, uh, but then very gently uh, presenting them with, well, like, so this is where I am and I found healing, um, uh, and I've engaged in some of that stuff that you're engaging with, and I can see where it can be helpful and healing for you there, but I think there might be another step beyond that even still, and you could get even healthier, but then also allowing them to tell you to fuck off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's getting to that Imago Day part of, of you matter. Like, that was powerful to me when I was a teenager all fucked up and, and just wanting people to judge me. Mm-hmm. And my aunt said that just kind of pulled me aside and said, Hey, Russ, you know, you matter, right? And I'm like, what? You know, and it shook me because I didn't think that based on, because all the, I just could feel the judgment of my Christian relatives as I walked into the room with my hair down to here and my fucking scorpion shirt, you know, and, and I just, I just oozed, fuck, come on, judge me. And for her, and she was a Methodist, very, kind of strict Methodist woman and she Methodist. just for her to, to, to say that really just totally disarmed me because it and, and then I think that's part of punk theology too and what we're doing here and crossing the difference divide is, is getting to a, a level with people 
like Jesus did, where they matter. Like people fucking matter. You know? What you yeah. believe matters. Where you're at in your life with all your shit, with all your anger, with all your frustration, with all your doubt and your belief, you fucking matter. And the goal is it to matters. have that person feel that you feel that the, the goal is to have that person feel like you are genuinely interested in their beliefs right and are not actively trying to convert them yes because yeah, that's, yeah. that's yeah. it's so ugly so fast it's like wait like oh I finally found somebody to talk to and then you get into the conversation you're like oh wait a minute you're just trying to convert me. You and you've got to believe uh, like I'm really, an ulterior motive. I'm going to throw this out here, and it might just be a, a language thing, but so if I'm trying to manipulate... word algebra with Chuck. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> if I'm trying to manipulate this person by letting them think that I'm genuinely excited, but I'm not excited about their beliefs... Can you get I yourself have, to a place where you're genuinely I, excited? I'm sure you could. Can you get yourself to a place where they matter? Right. Yeah, you can. Okay. And, and if they matter, then their beliefs it. matter. Their beliefs matter in the realm of that they're <laughs> that they're right, or that their beliefs matter in the realm of their. The beliefs matter because their beliefs are part of them. And, and so I would ask clarifying matter. questions yeah. to ask just to get, understand where they how where they arrived at that yeah. place. Yeah. So, so, so I, just, I see this. Go ahead. This ties into the kind of I think the thing that we haven't identified about the question, the topic today. In that the question of why do you want to believe, to believe X. what you believe is that the kind of the thing that it reveals is a lot of your own internal motivation. We haven't explained really big um, kind of big capital letter belief, B beliefs okay. in this, but the you know because what happens for a lot of people and let's just take religion as like the the prime example. And because and, you've got that whole proselytizing thing, you've got that, hey, when you're, when you're interacting with someone who's struggling and that natural, like, well, if you had what I believe, because I believe it, like, wholeheartedly, if you had that, you, you'd, be you'd, be, you'd escape from where you're at and it would heal you or fix you or it would be... And, and the reason you, you believe that's true is because you hold so tightly to that. And so I'm not asking why you believe. I'm not saying, tell me why you're a Christian. The question is, why do you want to believe that your God is real? Why do you want to believe the way you, the, the Bible is the way that you see it is? Why do you believe, why do you want to believe that God will do the things you believe he will do if you follow the tenets of your religion? Because underneath kind of that, dis- that description of where we talk about the level of what we believe is why. And, yeah. and and the question is, if, you, if, you're, if you're introspective enough to actually question that and say, why do I want to believe that my flavor of religion is right? It's because if it's wrong, you may have been wasting all yeah. of your life, a good portion of your life. And you've, all the you things you've been holding well, to that you about think are keeping you yeah, up. And I think about the people you've abused. abused. Yeah, that you've abused. Yeah, and, yeah, and, 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 yeah. and because you're so certain it's right... You feel justified in yucking other people's yum because you're so sure you're right. Because you're going to save them. Because you're going to save them. You're going to save them. And that's all that matters. And that certainty becomes the belief police. The certainty becomes the belief police. And that's kind of like the overarching principle of evangelicalism is nothing else matters except getting people saved from hell. 
and getting them on our yeah. team. Well, and that's since we've talked, you know, brought this topic up that it might be, uh, we might discuss it. I've internalized it, and I, in my personal deconstruction of what I believe, in, in fact, what I believe is the looking at why, you know, and it's you take simple things. Like, okay, the Mormons, you know, it's how do I know that the Mormons don't have the same God that actually exists and we're all going to be in heaven? So why do I want to believe that the Mormons are, you know, damned to hell? Well, because some... Forget, forget other people. Though. Well, no, but Make some, it about you. No, why no, do you no. want to believe you're going to go to heaven? No, but it's... Why do you want to I believe God, yeah. I would ask you the same thing of why, why it doesn't work or why it's not the thing or why God doesn't exist. So I, I guess th- those two questions are yeah. Why do you want to believe that? Yeah, I would go both ways with with, with you guys. Well, so I, I think that for me, when when I when I was a Christian, when I was practicing it, um, I wanted to believe there was a heaven. I wanted to believe there was a God because I wanted this life to mean more than it appears to mean if there isn't one. Right. But meaning. But, meaning well, what I got, part of what I got disillusioned by is that. I think there's a lot of meaning to be made in this life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people, and, and the arguments for the explanation that I heard biblically of how the world works ended up not really holding true for those who didn't have God, especially my flavor of God. They, they weren't the straw men monsters that were held up. Right. And so it really made me start to question, well, if, if that's your paradigm, if your paradigm is kind of this, this, goats and and sheep model then why don't the goats look more like the way you describe the goats and why do the sheep look a hell of a lot like the goats um, and, and also just a lot of the promises that I wanted to believe in for so long about what, what the power of the Christian gospel that I was told could do and I'm not ta- I'm talking about conservative not like not like far out really uh, charismatic kind of like crazy healing stuff. I'm just talking about kind of more mainstream right. conservative Christianity. I didn't see the power of the gospel really transforming people in church. I well, saw, what about you? Not people, I, but you yourself. Me too. I, right. I was barely above water, like I deserved everyone else <laughs> who had no bandwidth. Yeah. And, and, they, can't, and then you can't talk about it because if you do, then you're going to be that guy. Right. And, and, the, and everybody yeah, the was other. barely holding their head above water. And it wasn't this massive transforming thing where everybody around me that had it were all of a sudden superhuman in the freedom that they. Yeah. That they achieve, yeah. and so it just didn't hold true, and that's what ended up happening. Was I really said, why am I holding on to this when the promises I told were happen weren't there, and God was, for all intents and purposes, through the hardest five years of my life, dead and not there with me? Why would I keep practicing this? Mm. My daughter started singing the song she learned at VBS the other day. You know, I've got a river of life flowing out of me, and I sat and I was like, Do you though? <laughs> <laughs> Your daughter's yes. Uh-huh. She did the VBS. But going back to what you said, though, I think when you were going through that hardest part of your life, you, you like I know you a little bit, and you you still love people. Like you have more patience for people than I do in a lot of ways, and and you love your family, and you you love your wife and your kids, and that love through that horrible, horrific, and maybe even part of it, part of the reason this whole freaking deconstruct thing, this this faith in you shattered into a million pieces. I told your wife that. 
uh, we were talking at your birthday, and I go, I go, I'm glad Arthur's where he's at. Like, it's a, I don't know where she took that. I don't think she like thought that was real cool. No, but I said, no, totally not. <laughs> but I said, I said, it's great that you're at where you're at because that thing had to fucking bust into a million pieces, and that God had to die. Much like John talked about earlier. My Calvinist God had to die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The yeah. guy with the, the tire iron and the big hands yeah. had to fucking... You ran because that, that was a lie. And you're, you're kind of in the same place, right? But my I see my you, compassion got unlocked when my faith left. Right. And I, see, I guess I see you as... As you were challenging Chuck, I kind of see you in the same place where you're... Like, I, like I hear a lot of... Um, like it's going out there, like those they believe that, and I did. I do that too. Uh, even with nihilism, sometimes nihilism bugs the fucking shit out of me. But I have to look at it myself and go, why? You know, why? Cause, and I think it has to do with my history and that the God that was, the God that kept me even maybe alive during that time, the blood of Jesus, and I got saved, and you know, and now I'm responsible or whatever. Like I was so suicidal. If I believed in nihilism back then, I would have just. I think nihilism for you is a triggering word. It is. It still is. Well, uh, but I want, I want to visit that. And, but and but, I, but still, I, I want to. I want to. One thing I challenge people a lot that are that are Christians when I when we when we talk about the Bible, and I don't want to believe in that God. So answering that question, why don't I want to believe in that God? Uh-huh. My answer is because I don't want to believe in a God that's a bigger dick than I am. Right. But I don't believe in that God either. But I would say, right, but that's what everybody exactly. wrote about. Well, <laughs> that's, that's your interpretation of that God. I think that that's, the, I think interpre- that the flow, that's what the writer's interpretation of that God was. Well, it depends on who you're, who, who you're following, yeah. what disciplines you're following. I, I would challenge you to read you know, guys like Rohr or can John I read, Philip Newell. Can I read something just real quick? Sure. This is one of my favorite quotes from Richard Rohr. The great mystics tend to recognize that whoever God is, he or she does not need our protection or perfect understanding all of our words, dogmas, and rituals are like children playing in a sandbox before infinite mystery and wonderment. If anything is true, then it has always been true. And people who sincerely search will touch upon the same truth in every age and culture while using different language, symbols, and rituals to point us in the same direction. The direction is always toward more love and union and ever-widening circles. <clears throat> That's good. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, that is awesome. what, where? Where is that God worshipped in corporate practice? What what church doesn't pile on the dogmas and the judgment? Dogmas there, and, but but it's, and, it's and, that acknowledgement and, and that they're children children playing in a sandbox though. I don't know, and it meets them at a level of consciousness where they can understand it. I think where it gets fucked up, or where you and I may uh, our anger gets peaked, is when they so attach themselves to it. That it it starts to fuck with other people, and I don't think he's discounting dogma there. Like maybe it has its place yeah. for certain people, and, and kind of like what Steve recognized with with the, the Mormon thing. Like there may be a a path that even me. So I was so I was I was a wreck and suicidal and doing crazy things with my behavior, um, and, and I got saved, and I really believe that, that was a thing, even though it didn't work itself out in the long run. I got saved like three times. Because the first time, obviously, better make sure it's supposed to, yeah, it's supposed to take my sin away. I'm like, I, fuck, I just did, I did that thing again. And, uh, and, and so that dogma for me was good in the sense that it got me through that point that, that's, I don't know if I would have survived it, to be honest with you. 
And some of it, I really still believe that it may be even miraculous to the point where there was a God watching out for me. I don't know why other people's lives turned out the way they did, but I have a friend who, and he doesn't go to church or anything like that, but he believes in God. He says, because the shit that we did, like the fact that we're not dead or in prison is <laughs> points to some kind of, I mean, we're just won the cosmic lottery, but I don't think that there, I feel there was some thing there. I not just want to, because I don't really want to. You know, and I wasn't like you were talking about with with Arthur and my story. Like I wasn't searching for God. I wasn't looking for God. Uh, um, what were you going to say? To go back to Arthur's questions about why there's not a corporation that can get it right, I think it's because humanity still has never figured out how to do government, little g government, not big government, little g government, in a way that does not involve fear and manipulation. And every idea that has power can be used as a tool. And it can be used as a weapon. Yeah. And I think the the well, pastors or whatever you want to call them in a church, when the shit hits the fan, they take that hammer that they've been driving nails with, and they turn and they hit that guy <coughs> in the face with the hammer. Because yeah. they freak out, and they don't know what to do. And I don't know that there's a solution yet we've ever come to that prevents us from doing that. And unfortunately, the, the truth is the bigger a corporation gets the more you feel like you need to use fear and manipulation to control people. Yeah. And that... And maybe we can evolve past that dualistic thinking where every problem hey, is a nail. Never go back again. <laughs> right. Forever. Right. <laughs> sure, why not? I mean, not that I had any intentions of it anyway, but I was open to the idea, but I looked around and I'm like, eh. I mean, that's some of my affiliation with Buddhism and the reason that I like it is, A, their moral structure is not arbitrary in terms of these things were written in a book a long time ago, and so they're absolute moral truth. And and their moral standard is this kind of self-interpreted and, you know, reduce suffer, suffering as much as possible. I think technology's really changed the need for the structure of the church. <laughs> I think, you know, the reason yeah. you have a big church is because you need somebody with some speaking talent and decent information and an education, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Uh, need need in air quotes uh, to disseminate all that information to people and that it used to be you had to get them all together in one spot and in one room and now you can go you have all this information and all this talent and all this study and all these like not just one but but thousands upon thousands of different sources and you can go and get that and the only thing you can't get from that anymore that you normally got from church is community and you can do community in groups of three well, and, and if you think about before the printing press, there was only like one dude in every 17 cities that actually had a copy right. of the Bible disseminating what it said. Right. So it was just a pragmatic problem. And so you, it had, was to just go, a technology you had to go to your problem. local priest who knew the guy who had the book and was talking to him during the week to come and go to a worship service. So maybe we don't need Big C Church anymore because you can get everything that you would normally get from Big C Church on the Internet. And then the only part you can't get is loving community from the internet. I mean, you can get something that kind of feels like, but it's not really the same yeah, it's thing. Yeah, it's not real. Uh, 
And that's what the book Acts was. Like, it, was just, it wasn't a church. It wasn't an organization. It was just a bunch of people that hung out. and They looked like vagabonds, and they lived in some weird little communities. So like, all these people that kind of moved around. Church, I'm going to hit them. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to look at things versus black it's and church. white, right or wrong. It's community. It's but more, community. More in like, yeah, yeah. A, like a spectrum or, or gradations, <laughs> you know. Dirty. We're too punk to be church. So, so it's not like Mormonism is wrong versus is it not as whole or, or beautiful or revelatory. And I don't know what my standard for that measurement is. It's something I'm, I'm working with or, or playing with because the tendency for conversations like this is to go toward like a, a sort of relativism that can be a little, I don't want to say extreme, but kind of pointing in that direction. So if your kid comes up and says, you know, Dad, I was in Hollywood, uh, uh, trying to make it in, in, in acting, and there's nice people on the street. They invited me to their their thing, and uh, you know, there's this counseling session, and uh, I, I got this book called Dianetics, and this is scored it, super high, it, right? But you score higher if I give him some money, it, yeah, right? And I'll know about all the Thetans and uh, the Xenu and all this. It's like, can you just say like <coughs> with reasonable conviction, like? You know, son, that's not a direction you want to go. Mm-hmm. Can you yuck that yum, right? Uh, yeah. Follow what I'm saying? I think some yucks need to be yum. I, mean, I need think to be you yuck. can yuck the yum if you're in a relationship. Oh, right. totally. Yeah. yeah. And if well, the person that, respects you, that's something I wrote down too. Well, so maybe, so maybe and yelling. Instead of yucking the yum, ask your son, well, okay, why do you want to believe that? Mm, yeah, it's good. That's just a much healthier direction to go. Dad, I found these guys. <laughs> they wear white sheets. <laughs> <laughs> they really like me. They really like <laughs> Donald Trump. And <laughs> anyway, what are you guys Sorry. Oh, I should just tell Steve, you know, it's the, you can yuck their yum. It's book with love. Yeah. And that's what I always. Mm. Everything that I try to do is with love. If I can love somebody, and that's meeting them where they are. Um, yeah, and and when you respect some as a guy, when I respected someone, even when I was at Mars Hill, like well, I respected Leo, I respected James Noriega with with his faults and and everything. But I respected those guys, so they were kind of allowed to cross that line with me. Yeah. They were allowed to, to yuck my yum if because I saw where, hey, maybe these guys are a little farther down the road than me as far as sobriety and things like that were concerned. And I've given permission to guys to yuck my yum. Not, yeah, me no, too. not in the actual terminology, but I'd say, hey, if I am going wacko, please well, and ask me. Derek's helped me a lot with this because like from a faith construct, I'm actually probably closest to Arthur than I am like maybe Derek some, but, but definitely like there's a lot of agnosticism in my mm-hmm. Christianity. And I Arthur and I track a lot, I think, with a lot of conversations we have. I just tend to land in a place of faith where he doesn't. But mm-hmm. we still track and come to similar conclusions. Mm-hmm. How about that? But but three of you guys go to churches I don't think I could set foot in. Right. I just I I just can't. But in the context of relationships I, I can acknowledge that things, maybe uh, Derek and I talk about this a lot because we're good friends and we're pretty different dudes, but um, it's just that realization that things roll off my back differently in a way that they might you know, not roll off yours or, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if it works for you, 
then who am I to say? Yeah. And, and likewise, Russ, you probably couldn't come to my church because it's too. I did come to your church. I know you did once, but but it's like, but you know, I mean, yeah, though, yeah. like in terms of, it's just like too. I don't know pomp and pageantry, and it's yeah, yeah. just like off-putting. From yeah. and that was that was the thing with me when when Marshall split. And you and I were in the same group, and I and I sort of yucked your yum with religion, and I think Leo did too a little bit, pushing back on like why does John want to do that religious thing, you know, and and challenging some of that. But then when I saw how you like how it stirs your affection, right? Then I'm like, oh well, you know this John, That's where John's at, this where John's at, and this if this stirs John's affections, then. I love John. He's my friend, and I can, I can, okay. You know, I realize after cool. the fact that some people seem broadside. I was going in that direction along for a while, but I yeah. didn't talk about it that much, except for like maybe a couple people, and those couple people weren't surprised. But I think a lot of people probably were. Like it seemed kind of whoa, that's kind of like striking. Yeah. But yeah, I was kind of going in that direction, but I didn't broadcast it, and sometimes that happens too. And I go to church oh, where they play that. Foo Fighters. <laughs> <laughs> It's like Foo Fighters and Pretender, and that resonates with my soul. I don't know that's just I me. think the key is figuring out how to yuck someone's yum without attacking them as a person. Yeah. Yes. So, so you're, yes. you're saying, exactly. boy, that thing you're engaging with has some weaknesses. Can I? Can I go after your organization? Can maybe? I? Yeah. Can I look? Can I? Can we explore those together without me communicating that I think you're a stupid person for right. leading? Right. So you don't lead with what the fuck is wrong with you. <laughs> <Right. laughs> exactly. Condescension is but the way to with, someone's heart. Without <laughs> the willingness to say, okay, then what the fuck's wrong with me? You know, you, I can yeah. say that to you, but then will you be willing to say it back to me? You know, is there something in me that you're seeing that needs to be yucked? Because yeah, a lot of times... Saying, well, I mean, some people probably can't handle being asked what the fuck is wrong with you. But I like it when people do that with right. me. Right, but... but, but yeah, I, I respect I'm not, you, I'm not, you have a relationship with those people, though. You probably yeah, that's respect. Like, yeah, respect. I'll take it from anybody. It's just, it'll mean more from some people than others. Right. And, yeah. and, I, and I may give it... More thought. It's not. I'll engage anybody in that conversation because I just I find that type of conversation incredibly engaging and enjoyable. Probably not the best thing to say to your wife. <laughs> no, my wife and I do not have. We do, we do not. You don't ever ask your wife what the fuck is wrong. No, but you guys relate to that though, where where you and your wives can be on different pages with right. some things. Right? No, but you know. The bathroom. <laughs> in the bathroom. Why do you want to believe that? Um, just <laughs> right over by the the. You try and get it the, through the answer. Your bush is as why do I want to believe that there's a heaven? Oh, good. I'm glad we're coming back to that. Yeah, there we go. I actually enjoy that. The now in I've thought about this for all of what it's been maybe 20 minutes. So I I've been looking at all of my beliefs and saying why do I want to believe this and pulling it out. Nope, this is fucking stupid. Throw it away. I haven't got to that part yet, other than this past 20 minutes. And what's come to me, though, is it, it all comes back to love. Mm-hmm. So I want to love people where they're at. And that's accepting them as who they are, whether they're broken. I hate hearing that people are broken. but People are broken. Yeah, no, it's... <laughs> We just got issues. We're not broken. Do you have um, a, a rod when you guys? Sorry. A rod? Yeah, I mean, this is <laughs> a okay, tightly yeah. wrapped, really. Sorry. Oh, fuck. That's not going to be long. Enough. 
That's what she said. Do <laughs> <laughs> uh, it at the other end. Okay. Yeah, that's what she said. We're playing with the cigar people, by the way, because this uh, this conversation. This is a cigar. Is just if really you don't weird. see what's going on, is I'm trying really to I'm to light up the, my Duro, and it's very tight. Here we are trying to get deep, and Russ wants to talk about fucking short rods. See, that's Russ is getting deep in another way. I get, when I get uncomfortable, then I change the subject. That's I've noticed. That's how I want to believe. No, anyway. Go I'm on. Sorry. No, yeah, you got more good. Go ahead. You were you were on a roll. I'm just waiting for a dramatic pause. That's all. There you go. We're leading up. We're all you got. <clears throat> so I, I'm practicing loving people where they're at, mm-hmm. and realizing that whenever I do get triggered by somebody, it's nothing to do with them. It's yeah. everything to do with me. Um, and I've realized that God loves me where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Heaven, whatever you want to picture it as, is a relationship between you and God for eternity. I want to believe that because God loves me where I'm at. I love you. This cigar just dropped in his lap. Right in my lap. As I'm trying to light it. (laughs) (laughs) Right on your rod. My bad. Right? No, I'm good. Do you tips? I'm, so, glad. <laughs> I'm glad you're loving me where I'm at. So for, for right now, for heaven for me is going to be spending eternity with God that has loved me regardless. God that has loved me where I'm at. Has so you're resonating with unconditional love. And that's what yeah, heaven is. Unconditional love is, it's a bad term for a lot of fucking people. <laughs> because if you that's a whole un- other show yeah, right I mean, there if you go with unconditional love okay then why did I go through any of the bullshit that I've gone through mm. and I'm not even talking about the big T traumas I'm talking about even the you know Derek you talk about that you've had low grade traumas for a long time if there's unconditional love then why do we ever have to go through that it's just a bad term I don't know what to term it, but yes, you know, I'm talking about unconditional love. God loves me regardless, regardless of... <laughs> so why the eternity perspective of that? Uh, well, because we live I'm in... I'm presuming you believe in eternal heaven, as opposed to, okay, I want to believe in a God, and he, he does currently unconditionally love you right now. Why do you want to believe in heaven? Is it not enough for him to unconditionally love you during your life on this earth? Why would I create... So so I'm God. Why would I create something to unconditionally love for a short period of time? Why would you create something you want to unconditionally love forever? He's already outside of time, presumably. If he's infinite, as most Christians claim, he was infinitely alive and existing prior to creation. Or time, or time has no meaning, and so he just is completely outside of it, so there is no... Yes, all of this, everything, as far as we know, and as far as history, has all happened instantaneously. In his perspective. Sci-fi. So, again, but back to the real question, why do you want to believe there's something other than this life? I don't want to believe that there's something... You don't? No. I, I want to... Why do I believe... So do you, why believe, do I, do you believe there's heaven and eternal life after... After life? Yes. So why do you want to believe that? Because I'm going to spend it with eternity with someone who unconditionally loves me. 
I'm in a relationship with God forever. In a non-broken environment. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I have a relationship with him now in my brokenness. Right. And now we're going to remove that for the eternity portion of it. So that is so, so forgive me if I'm if I'm wrong, but to me that sounds like this isn't enough. It's not good enough. I want to believe in something better. No, no, I'm not longer. saying I'm not saying that this isn't good enough. It's on the realm of perfect. It's perfect. However, it's better afterwards. It's better after this life in the eternity of heaven. So I'm. But, but I guess, I guess the question is, if let, let's let's say there was a, a Christian paradigm that said that there was no afterlife, but all of the rest of the Christian claims about this life were true. Well, then, you why do you want there to be a, the the difference between those two models? Why do you want there to be just because it'd be better than this? I don't necessarily. Because to me, what it sounds like is, it sounds like this. This isn't good enough. But my my faith construct feels better if there's this payout in the end that's eternal happiness. But if that doesn't exist, so in other words, what other words I'm saying about God is, I feel like a healthier version is to not need that. Mm -hmm. To not need that that promise where today is shit. But I have this to look forward to because Christians always live in that future thing. Like no, no, no. I'm, so that's where or at least they, a lot of them preach that way. They they preach correct. about for the future, for yeah, the future. Yeah. Instead of living in the now, it's all about I'm doing I'm doing what I do today for treasures in heaven, for getting more people there, for all of that. Rather than right now, correct. God is everything I yeah. need. I'm content. I will die. I was, and that's what was religion does. Religion is sort of like, and, and Paul Young talks about this in his book. He's uh, the, the, the lies we believe about God. Religion turns uh, God into like a like an Amway representative, <laughs> right? It's like like multi level marketing. Multi-level like I need marketing. to get I need to get more people in my downline because then when I do, I get brownie points. Pyramid, so, right? It's for like me, a pyramid for me, exactly. And then that's the energy behind it is that kind of oh, I need to get people in. Oh, I better not drink a beer so, or have for a me, cigar because I might you yes. know mess no. with someone. Hope so trades today for tomorrow. Okay, so. I don't have what I want and need today, so I hope for better tomorrow. Yeah. And that leaves today always judged as lesser. And when but everyone, your, kind of everyone does that philosophically. I mean, that's the reason we go up and get a No, I fight that all the time. That's what, Correct. That's, what, that's what means you do do it. Well, I, I fight it because that's the way I grew up. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it... But, yeah. but see, like Eastern religions, are uh, many of them, both Hindu and Buddhism... Focus on living in the moment w- without that without that future thing. It's, it's about it's about contentment now and peace now. So a few without years. and it's not based on that promise of, of a future. So in other words, I'm not I'm not putting up with my suffering now because I have a promise of a payout later. I'm not making an investment. Now is just okay, no matter how bad it is. It's okay. So to answer that question, a few years ago I lived that way. I was putting off today, dealing with today's trauma, dealing with today's bullshit in the hope of forever. Today I'm not. I'm living in today. Well, I'm trying to live today. Um, 
I have work to do, and it's fucking ridiculously hard. But it's actually easy. I found that it's easier than the way I was living. Living in today, don't worry about tomorrow. I just believe that tomorrow is better in the realm of the forever. Do I put hope in it that it, or not even hope in it? I don't put off today. I don't put off today anymore for the hope of tomorrow's better. I just know that the tomorrow is better. So would you say before heaven was more important to you than it is now? Yeah. Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah. I mean heaven was that was that was the goal. That was the end game. Now it's not that necessarily today's the end game. It's just heaven's no longer a goal to reach. I am I was met today. Mm. by God who still loves me and that's perfect <sighs> Steve has had enough to drink well that's for me it's today is okay I don't know that it, for me today is good but I can't say that blanketly for everybody mm. but tomorrow's better that's how I look at it is, and that's what I think what Paul said for, for me to live is Christ. <clears throat> for me to die is gain. For me to, to die is gain. I think the trouble is that we're still talking about absolutes. And <laughs> yeah. Absolute goals. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I go, we go into the nihilism thing. And that's where I get triggered by nihilism. Because when, when, when nothing matters, then who gives a shit? And I guess what you were Which is also about, why I, I split from nihilism at that point. Yeah. Because yeah. it is an absolute. So, and but, suicide sounds like a really w- cool, fun way out. Yeah. And, the, and then there's this, there's this TV show. There's another thing. We could do an episode on that. There's this show that was on Netflix. I, mean, I don't remember the name, but it was about this girl who commits suicide. And, and, and it, has a, it has a very dark... Those guys have to pay us now for that. <laughs> no, but but that but it's, but it's I know my, my son watched it and his girlfriend and they they were talking about it and I, and, it, and I went into like like that's dark nihilism that's not positive nihilism right so I I could have easily gone to that place as a young person being you know uh, here Russ nihilism check this out pretty cool but the fact I think that a big part of why my life was such a mess was the kind of Christian, God's angry, you know, uh, unaccepting, you have to jump through these hoops, and if you can't be good enough, then you're out. And, and I guess I saw it as, well, I guess I'm out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, or hearing the Calvinist guy speak when I was, uh, you know, on a bender up for three days, had sex with two different girls in one night. Um, and then going to my grandma's to mow her lawn, and then she drags me to church to hear this guy talk about how some people are just born elect. And me having this dark aha moment going, oh, I just, I guess I just wasn't ever elect, you know? That was, really, that was a really dark kind of nihilistic <coughs> aha moment for me in that point in my life. And it, and it wasn't positive and it wasn't, you know, so yeah, I guess I, I, I resonate with what you're saying a little bit. And, and then I would have more questions about, so where's, where's heaven then? So I think, again, I, because I don't necessarily think that that's probably where both of you are is the point of absolutism, maybe dabbling in it, but I think that's probably how most people would interpret it when they hear it. Uh, you would be the absolute, heaven would be the absolute of 
of perfection. And Arthur would be the absolute, again, not necessarily saying this is what you're doing, but, but how people would interpret it. The absolute of now is it. Here and now. Now yeah. is, focus mm-hmm. on now. And the problem with Chuck's uh, pursuit is that we do not ever engage perfection in this life. Um, and, it, and it may be okay to hope for it, but it may also be hurting you to hope for it. Uh, because you, because it tempts you to not live in the now and not enjoy the now, and then the potential danger with Arthur's absolute of living in the now is that uh, it may not allow, in the extreme, not where Arthur is, but it may not allow for growth. Mm. Right, and I've because, seen that with, because the extreme would be I'm just going to be here and now, and that's right. that's that's as close to perfect as ever going to get. And where where Steve is saying is, okay, can we not have to engage with the perfect of heaven? Can we not have to engage with the absolute of now? Can we enjoy the now and still hope that tomorrow's better without engaging perfection on either end of that? Yeah, and that's where we break out of that dualistic thinking and see relationships as purpose which I think both of you guys would agree on those terms like relationships are valuable love is valuable it's not static it's not either or um, which I think is is very punk thinking for today that we could stay in the room and cross a difference divide with that idea rather than just have to be right about my because I've met I've met Buddhists who are self righteous I've met a, a ton of Christians who are self righteous and I could put them both in the camp of wrong or absolute and and see where they're stuck in that and analyze it as oh I'm I'm on the outside checking out how they're stuck but but again it's getting into how do you love how do you do relationship on a daily basis with the people that we all come yeah. in contact with as as humans where I, I, where I would say I'm at is the in the realm of the absolutes as perfect as you can possibly get it in today's realm is perfect and then the tomorrow is this is the realization that this isn't even measurable and here is the real perfect kind of thing not saying that I believe that it's just it's a possibility it could be you know so it's maybe it's the mesh of the two of us is what is actually perfect it's the the perfect is the here and now with the understanding of or the peace that tomorrow is the perfect and today was the unmeasurable amount of the finite bullshit but yet it's still perfect See, I value this. I value each of you. You all influence me. There are times when I'll say, fuck it, I'm out of here. This is bullshit. I don't need this. I don't want to go where this is going. But then I think in, in, a, in, a, in a reflective moment, I think, no, you are all adding to my journey. You are all valued in the journey. And I'll even go a step further and then we are... We are adding to the journeys of those however many listen. I've, I ran into a customer, Alana. Alana, 12. She listens to this podcast. She goes, you guys are awesome. One person. I think it's worth it. 
that we are adding value. We might not all agree, but yet we respect. And that's the thing I value about this, yeah. this time together. Okay, so Derek, I have a question for you yeah. on, on the absolutes. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm absolutely excited. <laughs> why do you want to... Uh, why do you want to believe in <laughs> So, one of the challenges I would have on that is, I'm pretty convinced in the absolute of now. Right. Mm-hmm. In that we as humans and our consciousness... Only ever only ever exists in slices of right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have the mental construct of memory, and we have projection and hope for the future based on past experience. But our entire existence lives in our consciousness and what we perceive in the now through our senses. And so, while we have while we have theorized and, and, and constructed the concept of time, mm-hmm. we do not exist across time. Right. We only ever exist in the absolute in the now. of now. Yeah. So, and, is, and peace, by the way, in that definition, is found in accepting what is right now. That's so, and, and, and recovery, and, like and pain, one day at a time. Pain is defined really... In not accepting what is right now. So, so tell me why the con the constant is it a constant or is it an absolute? It's a constant. Now? It's a constant, and it's a dem- demonstrable constant because it has an end. Because when we die, now ends. Only our perception of now ends. But what else is if there? If we live outside of ourselves, we acknowledge that others' perceptions of now will extend beyond, assuming that you don't believe this entire existence exists in your own head. It could. It could. Matrix. That's <laughs> <laughs> a philosophy 101. What if we are all the Again, dream of a butterfly? I, I want to believe that it's not the Matrix and that you are real. So, <laughs> yeah, right. so again, but, but that's not an absolute. That's an assumed constant. And and we don't even know that we won't wake up tomorrow and now will be defined differently than we defined it. Day. Right. We'll have the same right. over and over. Um Yeah, what happens if time has an astronomical shift in its properties? Um, but well, time is just our construct of our perception of it passing. Right. So when you say an astronomical <clears throat> are we going to perceive time different? Maybe. And that's where some we, of the mystics would, would say. Would we know it? Yeah, would yeah. you notice? Because if we're different? still interpreting it as it happens, well, for all we know, we're speeding up and slowing down by some third-party observer, but we can't tell. <laughs> so, and it's like and the, so what you're engaging with is the concept of, of a real versus an absolute. And an absolute ultimately is a concept. Only concepts can be absolute. Reality is just reality. So to attribute reality, because you're defining reality in its in its narrowest terms, when you're talking about the now, because all we experience is the now, um, and we can't, and everything else, everything other than now, is is con- conceptual. Um, so the only thing, and so and that's the distinction. So I would not define the now. 
as an absolute because only concepts can be absolute and the now is not a concept. The lens in which you're seeing the now is relative to right. the individual. The now over an hour, so John, land the plane for us. Me? So you're caught in between these two worlds. Literally. <laughs> and, the, and you're you're like Gandalf and oh, Yoda. Geez. Lord have mercy. <laughs> With um, the robe and the, and the lightsaber. No, it's a good conversation to, to engage. I... You know, we touched on um, the relativity that conversations like this can can ensue, and the hesitation that might cause to make statements of you know that's not a good way to go. Or, but then, why yum the yuck if it's better than where the person's been? Mm-hmm. Um, How do we cross the difference divide in these conversations? <laughs> relationships, exactly. Yeah. I think relationships, but. But the, the absolute conver- conversation, and well, the, the more interesting question to me is why do you want to believe what you believe? Yeah. And, you know, I talked about that before. I think the last time I, I missed a couple weeks, I was on vacation. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I talked about that the last time I was here. Is That's what interests me is, is why do you want to believe what you believe? Because I'm not interested in the argument. I'm not interested in the theological debate. But mm-hmm. I, I am interested in what makes you tick. Mm-hmm. And you have to acknowledge that... Um, you know, why do you want to believe X? Well, I'm, maybe I don't want to, per se. I just do because of what I inherited from my upbringing, from being born in North America to Christian parents. Maybe I would have chosen a different narrative or, or paradigm. Um, Understanding that for the first time can be relevant. Oh, big time. Oh, mm-hmm. that's huge. Yeah. Because a lot of people accept what they believe without understanding why they believe it. And that's why we're having this podcast today. I, sorry, <laughs> oh. I try to just approach it with humility and understand that, um, you know, I believe that God is love, and I believe Jesus is the icon of that love. In human form. In human form. Yeah. But I also think that God and his love is bigger than my Christian narrative and my Christian construct. Um, and I think that people receive the light in gradations, and they're aware of it in gradations. It, it's on a spectrum. Now, why do I want to believe that? I don't know. That's an interesting question. I, I just kind of do. Um, it's the way it makes sense of the world. Like I talked about before, there's this thing in me that just points to that. That just I have this sense, this feeling, this this hum, as is, is, uh, is, is people have said, and. Uh, you know, maybe a lot of it is just the way you need to make sense of the world and give your life meaning. But, right. but uh, ultimately, though, it's relationships that I think give life meaning and, and richness and texture and conversations like this is, uh, I think, where I think God shows up in that. Yeah, beauty and truth. Man. Whether you believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. This is Punk Theology, episode 14, In the Bag. Later. Later.